This is the hardcore icon, Just Incredible, and you're listening to the Three Count Podcast. Now, that's not just the coolest, and that's not just the best, the Three Count Podcast. Well, that, my friends, is Just Incredible. Welcome everybody to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. I'm your host Clifford Red Dog Miller. I am your Sherpa. I'm the man who leads you on the mountain to the summit because that's what I like to do. But it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. And today our guest is from ECW, WWE, Talking Shop, SWE, TCW, AKW, ICW, CA. MPX. This man is an eight-time hardcore champion. He's an ECW world champion. He is an ICW world champion. He's also been an ECW tag team champion. He is the hardcore icon, Justin Credible. What's going on? That's a hell of an introduction right there, son. <laughs> I like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I inside, like, I have like all these butterflies and like the hair on my skin is standing up because like I was watching you all through the Attitude Era and going into when WWE, well, when the F got dropped and they went to yeah. And I was watching you with, you know, Sean and yep. well, X-Pac. And I was watching you with Kane. And I was like, yo, this guy is amazing. And I never in my wildest dreams thought like this would be something that could happen. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Oh, man, thank you for having me. That's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And we're going to have a good time, man. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So for those who don't know who you are, and I don't know why they wouldn't, especially if you're an old school wrestling fan, can you please give us like the 50,000 view of who you are, good sir? Um, well, I, I'm, my real name is Pete Polacco, PJ Polacco. Uh, I started wrestling in uh, 1992 on my 19th birthday. As a matter of the exact date is October 16th, 1992. Um, in 1994, August, I uh, got my first opportunity with the World Wrestling Federation. I signed on to do Aldo Montoya, uh, the Portuguese man of war. And um, Three years later, uh, when my contract expired, I went on to work for Extreme Championship Wrestling um, from 97 all the way till close uh, at the beginning of 2001. Uh, went back to the WWE uh, to do X-Factor with X-Pac, my tag team partner. Um, got let go, did some indies, went to Japan. And in 2005, I went back to uh, Vince's version of ECW um, and uh, did the one night stand. And uh, a year later, uh, signed back on uh, for another run under Vince's ECW. So uh, and then after that, TNA and, and you know, all kinds of other wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, I've been doing it for now for going on 27 years. So been been everywhere in the business in a way, you know, yeah, been everywhere. No yeah. You've had like one of the most unique journeys that I've like ever seen and even just been able to follow. Um, I, I would think like for me, it's like at the top, but then like there's like a close second with like TJP because just watching you guys just venture and journey and just sure. travels and everything you've done has been incredible. But for you, like you said, you've been running since 92. So, yeah, you know, it's been it's been a hell of a ride for you. And it's funny because I just watched you uh, a few days. Actually, it was a few weeks ago on Talking Shop 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just running a match with one of my friends, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, who's that? Uh, Roman Roselle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So. It's funny um, how everything kind of circles back and you never expect it. Uh, Enzo Amore was at a, at the show we were talking uh, before we went on air about uh, this WrestleFest that was in Maryland. And uh, I've, I've seen him around, but him and I had never really uh, met each other, never got to talking. Uh, you know, he came up to me and, uh, uh, you know, introduced himself and whatever. We said our pleasantries. And he goes, and at first I thought it was a rib. He goes, man, I remember you as Aldo Montoya uh, being one of the last guys in a battle royal uh, when I was a kid at Madison Square Garden. He goes, the crowd was so hyped. I wanted you to win so bad. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I was just like so surprised, uh, you know, because I didn't know he was a fan like that. And to hear it, um, it was just it was just interesting. And it reminds you just uh, how long I've been in the business, first of all. And, um, and just how crazy the, the circle uh, in this business is where, you know, a lot of times guys that are out there watching, um, you know, 20 years later will be the ones that are, you know, on top of the business. So uh, it's always good to say, um, you know, it's always good to be nice to everyone on the way up because uh, you never know who those people will be uh, on your way down. Right. So uh, it was just, yeah, it was just a little example. It was really cool. Really cool. No, that's awesome though. I really, it's, it's one of those things, man, where like it, there's like a list of people, like I've always wanted to interview. Right. And obviously yeah. like as this show like has progressed and like grown and like evolved uh, it's, it's been just like a dream. Like every person that comes on the show, I'm yeah. like, holy cow, I never expected to like talk to this person. And then, you know, and here we are having this great conversation that we're starting off with. And yeah, yeah. I'm just, like I said, man, like for me, like I've been in the business now for 19 months and I've been traveling around. Um, and I actually, so I, I've been driving around as a kid and then like as a military brat and then getting the military myself. Okay. So like, I've been traveling like here and there. And I started, like I said, 19 months ago. Yeah. It's one of those things that is just like, um, I, I'm just very curious because I know you talk about it in your YouTube channel about your character work and character development. Like, how did you, how did you find Just Incredible, and how did that like whole development like branch out to what it is today? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it was just really organic. Um, when I stopped doing Aldo, or I came from the WWE as Aldo to ECW, uh, Paul Heyman had a name. Um, he had the name Just Incredible that he wanted me to have, and because he thought the name was interesting and it would uh, cause all kinds of heat. Like Paul's idea at first was like, um, you know, uh, here's, here's credible, you know, it's called, you know, just an arm drag or just a headlock, you know, kind of use it like that. And that really never caught on or never got over. Um, but I just went at it as I think he wanted me just to be a traditional badass heel and um, I love doing, you know, I love the Shawn Michaels uh, attitude, that whole kind of DX attitude. And um, I was friends with a lot of those guys. And uh, we had Scott and Kevin in WCW, DX, you know, Hunter, Shawn and Kid uh, in the WWE. And I was like that kind of click guy in ECW. And um, so I just tried to take a little bit of that attitude uh, of DX with that, you know, the thing I used to do, you know, that I got from DX and just that raw heel attitude. And I also wanted to be a little bit like Ric Flair, like, you know, so uh, I just took a bunch of my favorite wrestlers. I took a little Shawn Michaels, a little Flair, a little Scott Hall with the mannerisms and stuff. And, um, you know, just rolled them into a, a package um, that, 
you know, uh, through, through the months and the years was perfected into what, you, you know, what became later the world champion, the, that version of uh, just incredible. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to hear like how you say, like, it just, it all naturally came together and then like really did. Yeah. Take pieces yeah. like other people. Yeah, and you also uh, see what works, right? What the fans are, are buying into. There was, uh, you know, nothing I can remember off the top of my head, but um, you know, I saw th- I did things early on that didn't work. You know what I mean? Uh, I, you know, I did things, and, and then the things that didn't work, you just don't go there, right? You move on. And uh, I got my, you know, they always say in wrestling, you need four or five things that you can do really well, and that are going to make the character. The rest is just wrestling, right? Just going out there and working, working a good match, et cetera. So I got my handful of things that became signatures uh, that I did well, uh, including that, a lot of attitude, you know, a lot of, uh, like I said, that traditional heel, cocky, brash attitude. And, uh, you know, and it just, it really worked out. You know, it was that great, uh, it was that great time in the business, right? That attitude era style that uh, really worked for me and it worked for all the companies really. Um, and uh, it was really just special. You know, the fans loved that stuff and uh, it was kind of, um, it was like rated R wrestling, you know, it wasn't PG style. Uh, I can go out there. I can cuss. Uh, we could, you know, we could bleed. We could uh, have all kinds of shenanigans going on, you know? So uh, it really liberated you as a, as an artist, as a wrestler to, uh, to do what you want, almost sky's the limit, you know? Yeah, I was thinking because I know like with like East, like the transition from ECW to going back to WWE and then like having to come back to like the new PG standard of WWE was just it, it it's the way to evolve and stuff like that. I know it was different, but yeah. I feel like once you came back to WWE like mm-hmm. the second time, there was just like a lot of constraints for like ECW because like, right. like they were really trying to promote like their own dudes, but they're like they treated it like what NXT is now, right? That training that we're going to test you out with the audiences. And then like you were there really to kind of help like put over some of those other names, but you know, like yourself, like you were just a massive name. And it's one of those things that I was like, I don't understand like why you weren't being pushed as a ECW alum. Like you would the the original, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was very frustrating. It was very frustrating for me. I mean, uh, especially as a former uh, heavyweight champion, as a former two-time tag team champion. I mean, uh, I was the, I I was the main event of the last two ECW pay-per-views, you know, I was the main event of the last ever uh, ECW house show that we did. So, I mean, um, when ECW ended, I was the top of the top guys. Um, So yeah, it kind of bothered me. Um, I think WWE, um, from that moment, they wanted to use the ECW guys, use our value and our name to then create the new stars in, in, you know, in the form of the WWF or WWE at the time. You know, they even tried that uh, Kevin Thorne gimmick uh, with the vampire. Uh, remember? And uh, a bunch of other horrible gimmicks. Um, so it got to the point where after about, uh, two and a half, three months, right before uh, December to dismember, which was which one could argue is probably one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. Um, they sent me a plane ticket to go do uh, ECW on Sci-Fi. I didn't show up. Uh, I remember going to the bank and because they were paying us very little too. I remember going to the bank and not having enough money to go on the road that week. So I just didn't get on the flight. 
Johnny Ace, a.k.a. John Laurinaitis, uh, who was in charge of talent relations, called me up and he's like, what's, what's wrong? Why aren't you on the plane? And I said, John, to be honest with you, I'm just not happy. I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm, you know, I, I put over, I think, I don't think I won a match on ECW. I actually, I'm lying. I won two matches on ECW TV and both were by DQ. Um, Cause they were trying to make it a gimmick where um, like Sabu uh, lost to me via DQ because he put me through a table they were trying to establish rules in ECW unless there were extreme rules matches and balls Mahoney also lost to me by DQ because he brought a chair into the ring and hit me over the head with a chair, but I never beat anybody via pinfall. So anyways, long story short, I didn't show up. Johnny Lornitis called me, goes, well, we'll take care of it. We'll, we'll start, you know, making things better for you. Um, No money came that week. They sent me another uh, plane ticket. I didn't go again. <laughs> and I was just like, just let me go. I asked for my release and, uh, and that was it. I just stopped showing up because I knew if I continued to go, they were going to bury the character forever. And then, you know, the entire just incredible uh, aura, the, the character itself would have been killed on the spot. And I didn't want that to happen. So. Yeah, especially when it, it, it's 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 crazy when you think about like how you treat it because like it's your character you developed it it's your baby you're trying mm-hmm. to like do the best yeah. you can to make sure like no one else is like gonna destroy it and sure. like, you go to you go to a big organization like with the idea of like hey they're gonna help make this better and then like you start seeing the pieces like fall apart I've seen it with like tons of other wrestlers too that go through WWE and I'm just like yeah I know and I I love seeing them post because then they're like you see this new revitalization I saw that with you too like once you had left, like you had like this new, like your eyes were a lot more alive. You know what I mean? Like once you left the WWE the, the last time, right? I definitely yeah. that too. And a lot of your matches, you were just, you were just like, you're ready. For right. Well, you're excited again. You know, um, there's nothing that uh, is more telltale sign that you don't want to be there when, you know, there's nothing for you creatively. You're just going through the motions. Uh, it's very disheartening. And the thing that sucks about it too, is this was 2006. Um, I don't even know how old I was, but I had to be like maybe 34, 33, 34. So I was still a very young man, not even hitting my uh, physical prime, um, which is, is very crazy. If you think about it, I've just been in the business for such a long time. People had assumed, you know, I'm only 47 today. So, you know, I was uh, just very discouraged. Uh, I ended up doing some stuff uh, after that with Impact or TNA at the time. Uh, I had a feud with Jerry Lynn that went really well. And uh, then in 2009, we ended up doing Hardcore Justice, which was another uh, ECW reunion that uh, TNA had uh, put out, which like all ECW reunions, it's good for the one show. Um, But after that, it just, you know, nobody can recapture the magic. That's the problem is um, I think you got to realize when to leave well enough alone. And um, so, yeah, you know, that was that journey, that particular journey. Yeah. And you're right. Like the return on investments just kind of like dwindle down, like the more you keep. Sure. It. It's like, yeah, I feel like that's like a lot of issues where I watch like on TV where we do like these reunion shows or like these throwback yeah. shows. And then you're just like, yeah. Like, how come we didn't get that? I was like, well, there's, it's, it's pretty obvious why you didn't get that. And I was like, fans sure. are just tired of seeing it. But you're yeah. right. Like, EC- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say ECW was such a unique brand because, like, even when you had, like, the Monday Night Wars between, you know, WCW and WWE or WWF at the time, like, ECW was, like, holding its own. And that's why I think, like, 
to me, that's why so many people are like, like ravaged. Like they salivate, sal- salivate for like yeah. the reunion of like the hardcore matches, right? So when you see people like Tommy Dreamer or yourself, or you see Rhino again, like or even the Dudleys, right? You see them all come back, and you're like, oh man, we get to relieve like that little bit of the glory day, and then you know after that you're just kind of like well what else do you want to do like where else do you go from there and well the thing is if they would actually have a plan um i think a lot of the problems were they were using it to grab ratings to uh somehow get people um excited about the product and then they would completely go into left field like the whole ecw vince's version of ecw was simply just to feature the older guys or the older ECW names and guys that were established uh, and well-known with the product and have those guys completely pass the torch to the new generation, which was uh, Kevin Thorne playing the vampire and um, all those other ECW gimmicks, having, you know, Bobby Lashley come in, Christian uh, as ECW champion, uh, even Vince McMahon as ECW champion. It was just bad, bad television. They never once tried to recapture what ECW really was, you know, they just had some real, uh, the boogeyman in ECW. I mean, it was just completely against the, uh, the vibe of what ECW stood for. And it wasn't even so much hardcore wrestling. It was about good wrestling. It was about no bullshit, no, um, you know, no frills, just kick-ass professional wrestling and just, uh, you know, no, no net, just let the guys go in and do what they do best. And, uh, you know, and they just didn't do that. The angles were non-existent. Uh, Paul Heyman read the writing on the wall. He got out of there as quickly as he came. So uh, not having Heyman uh, on Vince's product, of e- Vince's version of ECW was really detrimental. And, um, yeah, it was just, uh, it was doomed from the beginning, you know. And it was a shame because the original, the 2005 One Night Stand, quite arguably and i've heard this from many people could be one of the best pay-per-views of all time not of the ecw era of all time uh the arena was hot i mean i was there i uh i appeared in the beginning of the show uh kane and chris jericho against lance storm uh where we celebrated as the impact players and at the end lance and i came out uh in the dudley's dreamer and sandman and uh i believe i uh tombstoned uh dreamer i believe uh, in the barbed wire. So, you know, and that was our last appearance uh, of the show. But what I'm saying is that show was so hot. Um, that should have been what ECW was continue, if they were going to continue on for the WWE. You know what I mean? They should have almost, like, that's where we left off and we should have continually gone down that path. And instead of bringing in new guys right away to take away the old, it's if you wanted to go with the new guys, let it sizzle for a year. Don't do it right away. Right. You know what I mean? To a slow burn and uh, see what happens. And they just wanted to uh, wanted to just turn it into WWE light, you know, an ECW light. So, yeah. Speaking of tombstones, I had a, I had this question asked me by a fan because I put up there. Obviously, I put up that we were going to promote this. And um, one fans came back to me and wanted to know why did you choose the tombstone pile driver? That's a good question. Uh, it was an accident. Uh, we, uh, my first match in ECW was against Jerry Lynn and I was going over and in the match, um, a couple of spots prior, the finish was a spinning DDT, uh, 
mm-hmm. where I hit Jerry Lynn with a spinning DDT cover him one, two, three. Um, prior to that finishing move, um, we did a spot where I pick up Jerry for a tombstone. We do a couple of reversals where then he picks me up. I reverse it, pick him up and spinning tombstone him. One, two, he kicks out. Then we went into the finish of the spin DDT afterwards, not that week afterwards, uh, after Paul went back to the studio and watched it on tape, he's like, PJ, change it from now on. Cause it looked good. I guess, you know, he was happy. He goes from now on, that's your finish, the spinning tombstone. And I didn't mean to spin on it. Um, the reason I put a spin on it was I, I don't think I had Jerry properly the way I wanted him. So I spun and turned just in a way to get him, you know, to get him properly so I could uh, hold him right. So it was all uh, an accident, really, you know, a beautiful accident uh, because it ended up working out. Um, But yeah, that's uh, it was totally by chance and not really my original uh, vision for it. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like most things happen by accident, like all the happen Mm -hmm. by accident. Absolutely. Like even like me, like my character, like. Uh, I fell into because my nickname, my first name is Clifford. There's no, there's okay. no about it, but being called the big red dog my whole life, like just falling into like the military kind of, it was just a beautiful accident. Like I had this idea for myself that I was going to be like this, like demented clown. And then like, I was like, no, but I like the military side. And then like, just randomly I said something and my trainer was like, that's it. You're sticking with the military gimmick and, you're going to be in a, you're going to be a mercenary and it's going to be beautiful. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like, That's good shit. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you're uh, muted. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, did, did I have you on me? I think I muted you by accident. No, all I said was as long as it works, you know, as long as it works. Yeah. So, you know, almost four decades in the business, right? I'm just going very, on almost three, almost three. Yeah, three decades. Oh, I was thinking 92, 02, then, you know, 12s, and then obviously like 22. Yeah, I'm 27. I'm 27 in. Yeah. So almost three decades years. in the business. You've got yes. to have some funny stories. So I'm very curious, man. Like, what's been the worst bump you've taken that you can remember? Um, you, um, <laughs> you know, um, wow. I I really, you know, I, I have, well, I don't remember it. So this one will probably be, be a good one. Um, but it's not that, uh, it's not that great, but um, this is probably the one that I regret the most because it knocked me silly and it really uh, brought me back uh, a couple of, maybe a whole year as far as um, not being right. Um, I was wrestling Jerry Lynn once again in Buffalo, New York for television taping and um, we were both standing on the top, um, and he gave me a sunset flip. Somehow, I think I might have been on the second rope, and he was on the top, and he gave me that sunset flip bomb. And I guess I folded up where I landed completely on the back of my neck, oh. and I blacked out for a good twenty minutes. And um, and I didn't see, I couldn't see straight. Like literally, you know how Sean's eyes are like cross-eyed now from all yeah. the damage. I was like that for a while. And to this day, like I still have episodes where I get like that um, at any given time. Um, and I, you know, my vision was so blurry and um, I just couldn't get right. I was throwing up for, for hours and hours on end. 
And uh, in those days, um, times were so different. Like we were wrestling Thursday night in Buffalo, Friday night in Queens. Uh, mind you, Buffalo's about six, seven hours from my house and about six hours from Queens where we were on the Friday night. I had to drive because uh, I drove stick shift. My wife worked for the company uh, doing T-shirts. She couldn't drive uh, stick shift. So I had to drive all fucked up, throwing up like every 30 minutes on the side of the road. Can't see. Um, get to the building Friday uh, in New York. Paul gives me the night off. Um, so then we drive down to Philadelphia. And after only about a day and a half of rest, I had to wrestle a two out of three falls match against Jerry Lynn at the ECW arena. And once again, I re, re reconcussed myself, whatever the proper term is and uh, made it even worse. Uh, just, you know, cause back then, man, you know, that's what you did. There was no time off. Um, and it was barbaric. You know, I had no business being in the ring to this day. I still believe I did permanent damage. Um, and I was never the same as far as, being able to take certain bumps and I'll never forget it. I mean, I literally puked for 24 hours straight. And once again, having to drive home because my wife can't drive stick shift. Talk about a nightmare tour where I had to drive probably a good thousand miles across the entire Northeast sick like that, pulling over every 30 minutes. Uh, I couldn't do it today. And I almost died that weekend. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was brutal. You know, I had no business being in a two out of three falls match going 30 minutes. And you could tell in that match, um, it's out there. Uh, it was on the ECW TV. You could tell like just a simple roll uh, bump, anything that even hitting the ropes, you could tell like I was, I was barely able to walk, keep my head up. It was, it's, it's actually really disgusting to watch. I should have not been in the ring, you know, very, very dangerous. Damn. Yeah, I know that. Um, yeah. Here, it's come from, like, the Sunset Bomb. Like, yeah. yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes, man, people think, and that's a hard bump anyways, because if you think about it, you're whiplashing, you know, that way, right? And yeah. my head bounced off the canvas like a basketball. You know, I didn't tuck my chin properly, or if I did, just sometimes falling from and having that momentum, you know, you're just going, Wacha! So your neck could go any way if you're not tucking it properly. Mick Foley always told me that if you're not sure of it, always hold it like this. If you have to, when you're going back, if you look back, Mick always did that when he took those big bumps just to protect the back of his head. So, you know, but yeah, that was, that was something I'll never forget. And probably one of the worst. Yeah, I remember um, I just, I had recently just ran a match um, in West Virginia, actually a part of SCW. Oh, okay. Okay. And I took a power bomb, and I, when I went up, and that was the first thing I did was just grab and duck because I was. Oh, like, did you? Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. It's like did it work? Things. Yeah, yeah. It helped me out a lot. Like I end up, really? I end up landing flush anyway because the guy that I was working with is like very, very good and good. very super good. safe hands. So I even just still like you never know. You just want to always protect yourself. Yeah, like, you, you never know, know man. When yeah, I came down, very I came down, I hit, and he was like, he's like, I've never seen, he, he told me too afterwards, he's like, I've never seen someone do that before. And I was like, yeah, I know, I just watch people who are doing wrestling matches, and I just, like, I started picking up on little things, and I was like, all right. right. So, yeah, yeah, pick up. Bro, I always believe that, and I always say that to young men and women uh, coming up in the game. Um, don't Don't worry about what the other guy is doing. Worry about what works for you, you know, because what works for you may not work for me. You know what I mean? Just uh, if you're able to pick and choose little things from other people, 
uh, and incorporate that into your body of work. Uh, is, it's the best way. Like, like I said, I took a little bit of Scott Hall, a little bit of Shawn Michaels. I'm not saying I was as good as them. Of course I'm not, but I just took a little bit of, you know, each and, and made it my own, you know, if that makes sense. So that's usually how the most, some of the most successful people have been is guys that do that, you know, absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean, and especially in this world, like, I guess for people who don't have like a character or don't even know what they're doing, right? like yeah. wrestling is such a massive pool. Like there's no reason for you to not know like, Hey, I can peel and take from this guy or that guy. Cause even like a move that I learned, uh, which ended up becoming my finisher. Um, I use a dry, like a pump handle driver and it was something right. I saw, I saw Tess do it. It was handed down to yeah. me by my trainer. Yep. I've seen Tess do it. I've seen yep. other people work it. And I was like, yo, like, if, you, if you're not paying attention, it's, it's on you. It's on you yeah. to be a student of the game. Yeah. yeah, I remember Tess doing it. Oh, my God. He was such a fucking killer in the ring, too. He was so stiff, dude. Uh, uh, not that he even meant to. He was just so big mm-hmm. and so strong that he would just that pump handle slam dude he got so because he was tall as hell he would just fucking kill you it's like oh i hated that move i hated anything i hated working with him <laughs> stiff <laughs> stiff prick god rest his soul it's funny because like his so one of my friends who's actually working up on the east coast now um big trouble ben bishop uh okay. just give a quick shout out to him he he's he he's followed kevin nash like his whole career but his big boot is equivalent to test and everybody's like oh okay like test does it and i remember taking it the first time and i was like oh yeah (laughs) yeah you just stepped through it i was like oh no (laughs) yeah it's not that easy it's not that easy if you don't take that right if you don't take that bump a little early you're screwed unless you want to take unless you want to take it and then do the old hit the side (laughs) <laughs> roll off to the side which looks corny but hell that's that's the that's just incredible and um you know in 2021 take the boot and roll to the side yeah i, I uh you know? yeah, I, I do the i do the take it down and just sit back up and i just like give like the there you go. what just happened <laughs> yeah there you go There's nothing wrong with that you know so, shit it's 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 wild man because i'm just curious like you've also been and we've, we've talked about your you know almost three decades now I need to know though, like what's been like the hardest hit you've ever taken? Oh, wow. That's a good question, man. Probably like Sandman's canes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, probably those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've been lucky. Um, you know, I've usually, you know, having a heel manager, um, uh, you know, Jason Knight, uh, who was one of my managers, um, would take a lot of the, uh, you know, because that was the heel's job, right? He's in there and, uh, you know, I would send Jason out first to kind of take the shot and then I would sneak in from behind and cheat, you know? Um, but uh, to go, uh, to add on to that, when I was in the WWE um, in 2001, uh, I worked with uh, Bradshaw and uh, Farouk, Ron Simmons. Woo! They weren't happy one time. Uh, it was SmackDown in Baltimore, as a matter of fact. It was live. Uh, I think it was live on Thursdays at this time during the Attitude Era. And um, X Factor had a little bit of steam coming up. And uh, we were going over on the APA. 
Well, because Albert was going to interfere, you know what I mean? Um, and we would get to win. Well, JBL and uh, Ron Simmons were not too happy about that, bro. They beat the fuck out of us. They bloodied X-Pac's mouth. Ron Simmons just about killed me, dropping me uh, literally on the like top of my head almost with a belly to back. It wasn't even a belly to back. It's just I'm going to drop you on the back of your head and folded me up like an accordion like i owed them money <laughs> and i had worked with those cats before you know but they just weren't happy putting over the you know the the, the smaller guys uh for the one two three you know what i'm saying they yeah. hated losing they hated losing but they hated losing to the smaller guys especially and uh anytime we wrestled uh i wrestled uh jbl in singles ron in singles um, but when, when they had to put us, when I had to put them over easy, light, no problem. When they had to put me over boy, like I owed the motherfuckers money. <laughs> Isn't that a gimmick you know? at that time too? Weren't they like, they're like the protection agency, right? Like, yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe you just forgot to pay them. <laughs> forgot to pay them right before it happened. <laughs> Fuck that. And then when I came through undertaker was boys with me and he was uh, boys with them of course too and he was kind of like the locker room judge and leader and um i come back and mark always called me peter which is he was the only guy in the locker room that called me that uh, he's watching the monitor i'm walking back i'm trying to no sell but i'm i'm fucking you know like you know i'm feeling it and mark goes peter you all right and i'm like uh, yeah he goes are you sure and i'm like yeah no sold it right because i'm sure he wanted me to he was he was checking to see if i bitched like mm-hmm. you know what the fuck because that would have gone right back to them right you know what i'm saying or pj's a fucking pussy or something i knew that was a test so i just no sold it completely and uh yeah, that was it you know went away but uh yeah that kind of shady shit i hate oh I hate that stuff yeah because you know i i've heard stories about like Ron throwing like one of the meanest spine busters just all yeah. around. And then like yeah. the crazy thing is is that JBL's clothesline is something that I use as well because I, I got inspired by him and like how he just throws in like you know yeah. shoulder on shoulder with a lot of meat on me, just like taking people down. So like I've I've adapted those two into like my things. Sure. I'm like, yo, those are things I love too. So when we talk about like picking and choosing, yeah, yeah, I just yeah listening yeah, but, to his clothesline was devastating <laughs> but his his line was i like like i said like i worked with him on a, a bunch of house shows and uh, i took the finish every night i think the finish was uh he, he i was doing a little bit of a comeback um i'd go to shoot him off he'd reverse he'd go for a backdrop i'd kick him and as i kicked him he'd turn around and just clothesline from hell every night not a problem nice boom you know it was just that night you know it wasn't it didn't want to put us over you know so yeah let's yeah get your shit in you know (laughs) fuck (laughs) so i'm curious too right so we talked about these matches and these post matches and things that happened i'm very curious though like and I've, I've, I've started learning this and I've got to talk about this a few times, but I've started learning this over like the last few months. Like people typically don't eat before the shows. Right. But they have right. like that one match meal or like snack afterwards. So I'm very curious about what's your post-match meal or snack. Post or pre post. Well, anything that ain't nailed down. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Uh, and believe it or not, I don't eat much afterwards because I'm so jacked. Um, usually I would only eat when I got back to the hotel. Mm. Yeah. And that's usually uh, at the, in those days we used to all get hammered. So it would only be after, uh, after we drank some fucking uh, beer, would we uh, probably eat like we'd all order pizza back to the rooms and just, you know, I remember one time we were in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We had stayed, you know, I think it was like uh, during the NW, uh, NWO for WWE. Mm. It was Hall Nash and Hulk, me and Pac. And um, we were driving in the limo, Hulk's limo. We, you know, we're going to the hotel. We were about two cases of beer completely gone on the ride to the hotel. It was about 30 minutes. We go up to Hulk's room. We smoke a big fat joint fucking you know and uh you know hulk still in the fucking red tights no he had the black tights because he's doing nwo and the uh you know the bandana and he's rolling a fucking fat one uh as we sat there and just drank beer ate pizza and uh talked shop it was really cool hulk was great people don't give hulk enough credit hulk was a great dude man awesome to hang out with you know and it's surreal too because uh, I wasn't a huge Hogan mark, but uh, when you, once I got to know him, uh, you know he was a really, really nice guy. Loved hanging out with him. You know, I'm curious though. Like, do you guys like do you, so like post post shows or anything like that? Like, are you guys like talking about like when you say you're talking shop? Like, were you guys like talking about each other's matches and things that you could have done to like make them a little not ne- not necessarily about the matches. Uh, just talking about future stuff, like future angles. Um, that kind of stuff, you know, matches, not so much because I mean, not, not that it's not, but uh, you know, once the matches are done, they're done. Right. Uh, we're always looking at how, what's the next storyline? How do we make it better that way? You know, uh, who's going to work with who, you know? Um, yeah. Stuff like that. That's cool though. I mean, I, yeah. whenever, like, not, I every, not everybody did that either. You know, a lot of the big stars didn't do that. Um, they would finish work and that was it. You know, they just wanted to go out and get drunk and get some fucking rats or whatever, you know, um, uh, for, for Scott, Kev, myself, kid, you know, um, and that night Hulk, cause we didn't hang with Hulk all the time. He would only come to TV anyways. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, we, we always just wanted to talk about the business, you know, always trying to better ourselves, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, and you always got to try to future-proof yourself, you know, like set you up for yeah. success. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, man, like we've been like talking about like all sorts of crazy <laughs> subjects and going in and out, but I just want to know, like, what kind of advice would you give to up-and-coming wrestlers? Um, right now is a great opportunity for young men and women uh, coming up in the business. I would say, um, man, work in as many places as you can um, really pound the pavement. I know it's, uh, you know, some people get frustrated because, um, you know, promoters are cheap and they don't always, uh, want to pay the, you know, what they should, uh, for young men and women. Um, and that sucks. That's unfair, but I would recommend that kids don't get, uh, really wrapped up in that. Um, just work in as many places as you can, regardless, even if it's bad, uh, just be in the ring as much as you can, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Um, be careful. Um, because you know, you're out there to get like in football, you're out there trying to get reps. You're not out there trying to get hurt. None of those matches are going to matter. Um, 
you know, most of them don't, unless it's a big indie show or whatever, but most of them are just another night. You just want to use those, those nights as the best practice ground you can in front of people and just apply your craft, man. Don't um, stay out of the trap of, you know, if you know you have a good mat, like, all right, you work with Jay Smith every, every other weekend, you work with Jay Smith. He's the guy you, on the Indies you have the best match with. And you guys are known to go out there and have a great match when you do this match. Um, don't stay safe. Go out there. Don't be afraid to call stuff in the ring. Like, especially if you know somebody, like you want to take chances. You almost want to fuck up. Not that you want to fuck up, but don't be afraid to to go out there with nothing, you know, because those are the situations where you learn, even if it's a bad match, you learn through those matches. It's, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Oh, like, yeah, don't yeah. be, don't be afraid to go out there and stink it up by trying something new and always try something new because people will forget that match. The minute you go through the locker room, you know what I mean? You just want to constantly just stay, stay creative and just always keep it moving and just always work hard, work unselfishly, but work at the goal of getting better, you know, because like I said, like guys that work each other at wrestling schools, they they'll go out there and they'll put on their version of WrestleMania match. Um, they've worked a million times. Like how, how challenging is that for them? Right. You know, the 30 people that are in the crowd that night, yeah, they'll see a good match. But what are you getting out of it? Nothing. But what you would get out of it is take that same guy you, you've had that match with and say, hey, tonight, let's just go out there with the finish. Let's see what happens. Only because that's a great time to learn, right? And because you're going to get yourself better. You're going to be thinking differently. You're thinking outside the box. And you're gaining um, really useful um, experience and knowledge instead of going out there and calling the same match with the same spots that you know you're going to hit you know change it up don't be afraid to change it up oh i like that best advice i can give someone hell yeah yeah it's funny because like as you're talking about it like i'm listening and i'm like processing like different matches and like i'm just seeing like different things happen out just as you're talking about just like because what's the worst what's the worst that's gonna happen you know nothing 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 at all you know and and the best thing that can happen is you learn something or you learn what not to do, but you're still learning. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. You know, and that's what I think we got to, we as, as professionals got to understand that you always want to keep growing. Always want to keep growing. Bet. Well, this would be like my last like heavy hitting question before we get into the second sure. best segment of the three count podcast. So Absolutely. all I need you, sir, is one do and one don't. Although- okay. One do in one the business, in the business. No, just in the locker room. Oh, in the locker room. One do. Um, I'm old school, man. So uh, I always believe, and to this day, I still do it. Um, I practice this uh, regardless. I go uh, 27 years in the business. I shake everybody's hand. Everybody's hand. Uh, not only the wrestlers, but the the referees. Because you don't know who everyone is, right? You could be uh, shaking the promoter's son's hand, or you don't want to, you know, disrespect anybody, right? So go out there and shake. If they're behind the scenes, cameraman, whomever, shake their hand and say, hey, man, what's up? doesn't have to be this real formal thing. Just, hey, bro, what's up? Be very cool and cordial. Put everyone over, you know? And uh, 
And another big, and I'll say another big do um, is when you're at a show, watch every single match. That's huge. Uh, if you're at a show, man, I don't care when you're on, watch every single match. I, I remember being at a show with Terry Funk. I think it was in 2009. Uh, Terry and I were uh, part of the main event. And uh, opening match was out at the, it was at the ECW arena. Terry Funk and I were the only two at the Eagle's Nest watching all the matches. And Terry goes, oh, God damn it, Justin. You would figure we would we would be the ones in the back not having to watch this shit, and we're the only two out here trying to learn. <laughs> and uh, Terry's not going to learn anything from these guys, but you never know. A, but B, like he's trying to learn what's the crowd like, what are these guys doing, right? Uh, I don't want to copy anything, or if somebody does a moonsault, I don't want to do a moonsault later on, or whatever. So it's always good to see what's happening before you. So you don't go out there and repeat it. Essential. That's a real pros pro. And if it's good enough for Terry Funk, it's good enough for you. It's good enough for me and anybody else. Um, and don't. There's a lot of don'ts. But uh, let me think of one that really. Uh... All right. Two, a two-parter because there's these are all loaded. Um, don't take any of this for granted. Um just don't take any of this for granted. This business, anytime you get an opportunity, whether it's the opportunity of wrestling a match or just anything in wrestling, uh, don't take it for granted because it could all end very quickly. Um, whether it's your health failing you or you get hurt, God forbid, or you know you just never get booked again. Who knows? Just never, uh, never take it for granted. Enjoy it. And another don't is... Don't talk shit. Um, I know a lot of guys and gals are uh, into, you know, clicking up. And uh, I've been on both ends of it, but clicking up and, and talking shit about people that may be uh, having a hard time or maybe not as fortunate as them. Or, you know, maybe they're in a situation where they're, they're, they have heat in the locker room and people gang up and stuff. Don't be that guy. Don't be a bully and don't talk shit because I notice in wrestling that it all comes back to haunt you. You know, you always want to be the same person. Um, you know, try to be that same guy because one day you could be, everything could be great and it could all just turn on you real quickly. And uh, people remember that. So, you know, you always want to stay humble. Yeah, I like that. Those are, that's some great advice. And that's just great advice for life. Anyway. Like, for life, yeah. Very yeah. much so. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I I understand. I've gone through the journeys and I've seen like just on just like in, in life, just whether I was in, you know, college or wrestling or. Sure. Yeah, know, it applies everything. Military. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. Be, be humble and be, be humble, be respectful, right. uh, respectful of your elders, respect, respectful of the chain of command. I always was respectful of uh guys that have been maybe three weeks in the business longer than I have. And it's very rare that I go into a locker room. I mean, it happens, but rare that someone has more experience than me, but I don't go out there feeling like that or treating anybody like that. I'm an equal. Um, and I always, you know, I always try to remember that and be um, you know, humble and be cool because people will also remember that about me. I always hear, um, 
man, you're, you're so cool. You were so kind. Um, and I'm not doing it to, to be a show. I'm not doing it as a show. I'm doing it because it's, it's nice to be nice. It's nice to be liked because this business is a callous, hard business. Why not all of us treat each other with respect and with kindness? Doesn't hurt, right? No. You know, I, I want to reap what I sow. I want to give, you know, you want to get what you give and vice versa, you know? So that's it. Yeah, it's funny how you mentioned the, uh, like watch every match, right? And it's something like I have to get better at. And I don't, I don't do it because yeah. like, I don't do it to be a jerk, but like I get, so they always tell me like whenever you get nervous, right? Like you get nervous is because you care, right? But sometimes like I get so nervous, like just sitting in the back, like thinking of all the things that we're like going over. Like I, yeah. I almost get to the point where I get sick because I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm like, yeah. you know, you're at that point where you're like, I don't want to fuck up mm -hmm. and I don't want to look bad, but well, obviously like you're doing something live. So for me, it was like, I have to sit back there and like, I still respect everybody. I still talk to everybody, but I'll sit in the back and I'm just like trying to replay. You're thinking, well, here's, here's the thing. And that's a good thing to a degree, but try this out for size. Cause I used to be that thing too. And I've noticed um, when I had those matches uh, where I had to think too much. Like you're saying, go over in my head a million times because it was so much to remember. Um, that happens to me when I'm when I have a sh too much shit planned. Um, and it depends who you wrestle. Try not to have that much shit planned. And that's what I went to tell you earlier. You need to go out there and have matches that are tried out. Plan your beginning, have the middle wide open, and plan the end. So it's almost like you know, 30% is pre-planned, 70% is call it out there because you'll enjoy the process that much more. Yeah, you'll be nervous because you don't know a lot about what's going to happen, but that will free you up to be more of yourself, more of your character. And it'll, uh, I'm telling you, man, it'll just, uh, it's a hard step to take and you have to be in there with the right guys, but it will, uh, that's the breakthrough for, for, for somebody like you is allowing yourself almost like, don't be afraid to fail. What's the worst that could happen? Because through those things, you will uh, like a light bulb will go off. Like nowadays, dude, um, uh, I don't call, I, I only call a little bit of the beginning and the end, like the whole match. I just call it out there, mm. you know, and uh, it's a bit of a challenge at first. I mean, of course, experience uh, helps, but, it liberates you to, to work your character in the ring. Like, cause when I was like, uh, especially in ECW, when I worked with guys that did a lot of uh, intricate high spots, you know, a lot of Lucha shit You're I was thinking so much that I didn't get the chance in the ring or during the match to be my character, to have that attitude, to be the fucking come on, you know, and that, cause I was just thinking, okay, what's the next spot. Mm. So when I dropped it, um, and just started working. That's when it all the floodgates opened. It's a process. It, it's going to feel weird at first or almost unnatural, but don't be afraid to take that leap, especially if you're wrestling in front of a very small crowd. Cause like I said, what's the worst thing? Seriously, you're not wrestling at WrestleMania or anything like that. You're wrestling in front of 25 people. What does it matter, dude? But you're going to have to allow yourself to to take that chance and don't but don't be afraid of it because those moments is where you are where you honestly grow you know mm -hmm. 
No, I appreciate that a lot too. Like, yeah, just, absolutely. Also, yeah, like I said, man, I, just, I keep putting this over, but yeah, thank you. You know, like just even coming and talking about like, this oh, stuff. absolutely, dude. That's it's awesome. Thank you for having me once again. But we're going to get into the second best segment of yes. this podcast because people ask me what is first, and that is the Red Dogs Power Rankings that you can find every Sunday on our debate show or Monday on IG and uh, TikTok. But let's get into three count podcast, 10 count questions. Mr. Incredible, this is how it works. Yes. I'm going to fire off a bunch of questions at you. It's whatever first comes to mind. Okay. All right. Let's put on the imaginary timer. Bing. And here we go. Sonic or Mario? Who? Sonic or Mario? Oh, Sonic or Mario. Sonic. Yeah. Favorite color? Blue. It's a Friday night. What you doing? Nothing. Awesome. Seriously, nothing. Favorite cartoon? Oh, wow. Um, American Dad. Hey, shout out. <laughs> Side question to that. Favorite character from American Dad? Roger. You got to go with Roger. <laughs> uh, three things that you would take with you on a deserted island? Fire, like a lighter. Uh, um... Uh, a phone, if you could, and water, I guess. <laughs> Favorite. I, I was born. Favorite movie would be Star Wars Episode Four. Hey, shout out. All right, here it comes. Tables, ladders, or chairs. Which would you rather use? Ladders. <laughs> Favorite podcast? Uh, Joe Rogan. Shout outs. We were just talking about that before we went yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, nominate one person that you want to see on this podcast. I'd like to see Lance Storm. Yes. Yes. 100% yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show, favorite curse word. Uh, fuck. Easy. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like yeah. there's any other word to use. <laughs> right. No brainer. No brainer. All right. So that is all my questions for nice. the show. All I need from you, though, is to let our viewers and our listeners know where they can find you. Absolutely. Just uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at PJ Polacco. And of course, uh, if you're interested in any of my merchandise, go to prowrestlingtees.com backslash just incredible. I have over 20 designs available, both ECW style and uh, Aldo Montoya. So uh, go on over, check it out, uh, prowrestlingtees.com backslash just incredible. There you go. So you yes. know where to find him everywhere on all social media platforms. Guys, that's it for us. So you know what to do. This is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Ancient Ring. And as I said, I am your Sherpa, the guy who leads you up the mountain, Clifford Red Dog Miller. But it's never about me. It's about who's entering the ring. And today, Now Ancient Ring. One last thing. One last thing I got to say, three count, like this was not just the coolest and this is not just the best, the three count podcast. Now that my friends is just incredible. There you go. You guys know <laughs> to the next episode and be there or yes. the outro and then you listen to the next episode. Peace. Nice. What's going on three count nation. I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want you to do right now, go to Twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the three count underscore pod, 
Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to YouTube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn on notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.